Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. For those of you who used to be somewhat regular listeners of the show, welcome back. Season 2 is officially underway, and though the fundamentals will remain the same, there will be some noteworthy changes. Of course, to any first-time listeners, as always, I highly recommend you take a moment to jump back to the intro of the project. It should be listed as a trailer for the show at the bottom of the list of episodes in your podcast player. It's only about seven minutes long and provides some pretty important context about the nature of this show, its aims, and how it differs from most. So again, I advise you starting there so that the premise of this project isn't totally lost on you. To my returning listeners, thanks for sticking around through the past couple of months, which have been pretty hot and cold from a content perspective. In short, a lot has changed since I decided to give this project a go. There have been plenty of ups and downs personally, and for the most part I think this show has reflected that, which honestly has probably been for the best. Much has been learned and many of my perspectives have evolved. The same can probably be said about each of my guests and hopefully you all as well. Which brings me to what will be different this time around. If there's anything to be gleaned from this project, it's that as individuals, our identities and perspectives are in a constant state of fluctuation and irreducible nuance. We're never quite the person we were a moment ago. Everything we experience changes us. Each conversation I have on this show is just a snapshot, a irrepeatable moment in time, a brief glimpse of what individuals can bring to the table. At the end of each episode, I could probably roll back the tape, start from scratch, and have a new conversation of a completely different nature, tone, and theme. So I think that about sums up where the project is heading. I guess I'll resist my inclination towards overexposition and wrap things up here, but one final update. I will begin trying to incorporate the audience's questions into episodes, both for recordings with recurring guests as well as solo Ask Me Anything episodes, which I'll be recording the first of soon. So if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed or you'd like me to speak to specifically, please do give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter and send your questions. The audience isn't huge here, so there's a good chance your questions or topics will be featured. If you have anything at all, don't hesitate. I'd love to hear from you. And on that note, thanks for giving this a shot, and I hope you enjoy the episode. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. control. All right. Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. This is our first ever Ask Me Anything episode. So I'm excited to try out a little bit of a different format here and just do what I can to get the audience a little bit more involved and just get some new questions, perspectives into the mix here that otherwise wouldn't. So I've broadly reached out to the audience for questions and today I'm just going to pick a few out and and see where it goes. I received a couple of questions that seem to get at something quite similar, which I think is rather interesting and maybe we can get into a little bit more later in in a future episode, but essentially several of them addressed my most basic fears. 
or maybe not even so most basic, but just greatest fears, aspects of myself, my experience that I have trouble with coping with. And I guess to address one question specifically, it was phrased as, what is one of your greatest fears and how are you working to face it every day? Now, obviously that's a, that's a pretty big question. So I, I figured I'd just go right for it. And I think personally, maybe my largest fear in life is I, I worry that I'll spend too much time living, being guided, or better yet controlled by my ego. And when I say ego, I, I largely mean the aspect of myself that often dictates what I think I deserve, regardless of what I've done, but also the aspect of myself that is primarily in charge of protecting what I currently have, who I currently perceive myself to be, and prevents me from being in any sort of context in which I would be made uncomfortable or that there would be change or a large-scale reevaluation of, of all that I've put into place and come to understand about myself and, and the world that I'm in and my place in it. And it it seems that we spend so much of our lives being or struggling to be intrinsically motivated. It seems at times that everything has to have an angle and that everything that we do in life is, is something that is a means to an end. That even the things that we enjoy, we almost enjoy them because of the end or what it might lead to. And we, we spend so much of our time living in this mode of not truly being present, not truly being intrinsically motivated for the things that we do simply because we enjoy them, simply because they bring us joy. And as, as someone who's a, a relatively analytical thinker, I, I do often struggle with that aspect of life that I'm, I'm always on to the next and I, I'm always trying to look at the broader implications of my actions, of whatever situation or context I'm in, but it, it certainly can lead down this path of almost being stuck in this default mode of, of near Machiavellian self-interest. And maybe that seems a little dramatic, but just simply always feeling as though there's something to be gained in a situation. And again, it's, it's not that this is always how I, or I'm implicating anyone else to be operating. It's just that I think very much of our default as humans is to, is to always play that game and to always be looking at our place and in different dominance hierarchies and how we can move forward and how we can progress. And I think it can be a very beautiful thing, but at the same time, I worry that it distracts me from enjoying what is best about life and being able to simply do things because I enjoy them or just for the sake of doing them. And I think to maybe elucidate this a little bit more, I think there's a very fine line between 
doing something for someone around you or that you love simply out of this sympathetic joy that you would experience for them to have something positive come into existence in their life versus doing it because, or not even necessarily doing something, but having a response, a positive response to success in in other people's lives around you simply because, oh, that means that now I'm close to someone who is successful, or this might benefit me in the future if they do well, or how, how is this, how is this ultimately helping me? And I think it's, it's largely subconscious for most people. And I think people who do it consciously, it becomes a little bit more clear. But that's just one example of how even when we try our best, and and even when we at times feel as though we're doing things for other people or we're quote-unquote happy for others and their successes, it just comes back to ourselves and what we feel like is good for us, whether it's in the short term or the long term, that we, we really do struggle to see beyond ourselves. We really do struggle to see beyond our perspectives. And I, I think for me, that's ultimately what I fear the most is that I'll go through the majority of my life having so many blind spots, being too unaware of the broader picture or just other people's perspectives and and getting tunnel vision on what impacts me, even if it's in sort of an ancillary way that it's, okay, I'm bringing up those around me because I want to be surrounded by people who are successful or people who are happy or people who have positive energy, whatever it may be remaining stuck in that mode of it, you know, almost this idea that we were at the center of the universe and then always feeling like we have to be the hero of our own stories or just the center of it all. And, and maybe that's just being human is that we, we never fully can step outside of that perspective of it, it is ultimately about me more than anything else. But I, I worry sometimes that I'll spend most of my life in that mode and and miss so much of what is good and and what is deep and meaningful about whatever this existence is. And maybe some of that comes from having known people where it's it's more obvious where like, there's people where this angle that's always there is is more clear. But when you see it, you know it and it's there's not many things I can think of that are more frustrating as a quality for an individual to have than to always see that angle, to always see that people are, are pushing for their own agendas, that everything they do just seems to be a means to an end. Even when they do something for you, it's for something in return. And when, when you see that, it alienates you from, from nearly everyone in your life in the long term. And again, I think this happens on a much smaller scale for the average individual, but I feel like those people that do it in the extremes often have little to no awareness of it because to bring it back to blind spots, they, they simply don't see how they come off and they don't, they're not able to see what other people's perspectives might be like 
or what it's like to operate when you're simply doing things for the sake of doing them. But ultimately, to, I guess, address the latter half of that question, I, in my everyday life, it's, it's certainly a challenge, and I, I guess the easiest response there is that I do have a daily practice, which in theory helps me be more in tune with the nature of my own experience and, and more aware of my blind spots, my, my thought patterns, and the traps my ego tends to set for me. But how effective that is, is, is often very difficult to decipher, to be honest. And it's, it's certainly something that I care about and that I feel as though I'm making an effort towards, but it, it definitely feels like an uphill battle <laughs> many days. And it often feels like it's, it's too tall of a task to overcome some of these defaults that most people have. And to be able to be aware of anything outside of our own perspective seems almost impossible when you say it out loud. But I still think it's something worth pursuing, or at the very least, trying to live life in regards to what, what requires no further explanation, what requires no outcome, what requires no, you know, kind of internal machination to justify. Because that is what our brain is, is wired to do. You can always come up with a an excuse, an explanation, a, a line of reasoning to, to justify, to explain, to put in context what we are doing so that it makes sense and that we are the hero still and that we're still a decent person. But there's very few things in life that are easily accessible in which none of that really matters. And I've, I've maybe gotten a very small glimpse of that in my own meditative practices and in, in which I'm able to maybe get into a, a state of mind in which I can quiet the ego, the mind, whatever you want to call it, enough to simply exist, to, to simply experience. But these are, these are just glimpses and uh, to, to operate in day-to-day -day life in this manner all the time seems, again, something that often feels impossible. But I sometimes worry that the challenge, that the barrier there is is so high that I'll, I'll maybe never put in the effort or dedicate the time to make it a priority so much so that it is something that I can truly apply or truly live out in day-to-day -day life as opposed to something that I I just get small glimpses of from time to time. But I think I've said enough on that. Okay, what's next? So this question actually relates to the previous question in a way. So maybe I'll go there, which is, how is your inner self-talk when in doubt? So I think to start on this one, I, I maybe just have to acknowledge the elephant in the room of imposter syndrome and the fact that the very foundation of this project is is something I still very much experience at times and I often don't don't feel qualified or, or justified in even continuing to do this whole project. But to be fair, I think this project has largely helped me overcome some aspects of self-doubt. And I 
I feel as though I have fewer illusions about whether or not I deserve to be doing this or even to use words like deserve or qualified or even just bringing into question whether my perspective has value because I no longer do that with any of my guests and I, I try not to do that with, with anyone that I meet in the world. So I I largely don't feel like I doubt myself on on a particularly personal level or in any way that I don't doubt others because I've, I guess, cultivated a, a means to, to, to assess myself and others similarly. Of course, I'm always going to be my, my harshest critic. And at the same time, I still do often struggle with the fact that I sometimes feel like a jack of many trades, but of course, a master of none. And I think that's, again, not anything that's unique. I think a lot of people struggle with that, with the fact that they're not necessarily the best or brilliant or excellent even in, in one particular thing, especially when they see that in others. And it's it's often hard to to feel good about being even just average at a lot of things or mildly above average or even just accepting and, and celebrating what whatever abilities that we do have if there's not one in which you you know are launched into a a stratosphere of success and recognition that is undeniable or objective to be able to see that others simply must acknowledge your mastery i think we all want that and i guess that's how it ties back to the ego in a lot of ways but I think ultimately I, I often find myself in a state of doubt or even more so frustration in regards to my own humanity. I, I don't think that there's anything uniquely bad or, or good about me as an individual, but as I spoke to before, I think sometimes the way my defaults, my, my most basic nature and how poorly that often matches up with this modern life and society that we've created is is certainly something that is a is a regular source of tension and i think doubt generally speaking is, is something i i'm quite okay with i i have a somewhat practiced degree of acceptance in regards to the unknowns of life and my lack of control over all of it Yet I, I still, of course, struggle with the fact that I'll almost always make less than optimal decisions that will result in more suffering for myself and and those around me. And, and there's no getting around that to some extent. And I think at the end of the day, the way that I structure my life and the way I manage relationships and these things will always be sources of doubt because I, I'll always feel like I can be doing them better or preventing more suffering or just general negative experience for myself and, and others. And there's never a there's never a true pinnacle in that regard. And I always have questions about what I'm doing right now in my life 
and, and how that, and, and the consequences of that ultimately more than anything else. So it's not that I have this unreasonable degree of, of confidence in regards to everything that I do, even though doubt isn't something that often phases me too much on a personal level, because I, I think acceptance is something that I, I guess I would say excel in, but I still, I still have questions, unanswered questions about when or if I'll, I'll ever maybe arrive as, as one might put it. We're always asking ourselves if we'll ever make it over that hump or, or kick that habit or, you know, heal that nagging health problem or simply feel better, be a better person. And, uh, even, even say all the things that we feel like we ought to, to those that matter, we're, we're always kind of hanging on the edge of that and wondering if one day we'll wake up and then something will be different or, or we'll finally have the conviction to live up to our, our fullest potential or a lot of these stories that we tell ourselves. And, and we tend to simply dangle this carrot in front of ourselves, always. We look around and we compare ourselves to others and we wonder if we'll ever be like that or we'll have that or we'll achieve that. And I don't mean to say it with any true certainty, but I think we never do actually arrive. I think at best we, we maybe get a little better on, on a front or two on average over time, but arriving or simply becoming something else is, is maybe just the wrong tree to bark up. I, I don't know. I, again, this is, this is just an opinion, but I think, again, it, it is our nature. It is within us to some extent, but also the society that we've structured around us, or I guess also within us, that we we all were, we are always comparing ourselves and we're always feeling as though there's things that we're lacking or ways in which we need to improve and we are brilliant at at not being satisfied at not being content at not being able to accept and appreciate what we have because that that drives survival and <laughs> that drives the ability to compete and to push forward and to be resilient. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I guess to come back to the question a little bit more so, when I do have doubts, it's it's more so about, it's about the nature of what I am. It's about the nature of this experience. And if what I am fundamentally as a human is something that that ultimately I can really quote unquote, overcome, or if there's any way for me to better understand, or maybe not even better understand, but transcend my own nature, or if in some way I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just working with a very specific and limited set of tools that I, I have to acknowledge and that I have to accept and to expect anything more of myself is, is maybe the wrong path. So I guess that's that's more so the the doubt that I find myself running into or, or the inner self-talk that I I often get lost in is it's not that I, I feel like I'm anything unique as a human or that the mistakes that I make or 
the negative self-talk that I have is, is anything fundamentally different than what anyone else does or that I'm anything, that I'm anything truly divergent in, in any sort of a praiseworthy sort of way. It's, it's just, I wonder if what we are is more limited than we realize when compared to other species. But yeah, maybe that's a, that's a bigger question than I realized, but <laughs> I guess those are more so the doubts that I, I have and, and struggle with. So I guess these have taken a little bit longer for me to answer, of course, uh, than expected. So I'll maybe finish on one that is a little more lighthearted and hopefully brief. I was asked, what is your favorite daydream to have? And it's, it's kind of a unique question for me, at least, because A, I, I don't always consider myself to be that much of a daydreamer. And it's something I've gotten into in, in previous episodes that I don't always feel like I have the most vivid imagination. Even as someone who's relatively creative, I spent a lot of, I didn't spend much time alone as a kid. I had siblings. I was very, very close with my brother and, and we were almost inseparable. So largely I, I always had another person with me. I always had, I was always in relationship with someone else. And so I didn't spend a lot of time thinking things up or dreaming things up. And that's not to say that I don't daydream, but it's not something that I feel like is a super regular part of my life. And so when I saw this question, I was particularly interested because it's not like there was 10 things that popped to mind and it was more a matter of sorting whichever one to the top. It was more of a, an exercise, a challenge to, to think about what, what really comes to me in, in these moments of, of drifting away in, in, a, in a waking state. But ultimately, with, with some thought, I did come around to something which is one of my favorite things, certainly, to think about, which is essentially just leading a pack of dogs through the wilderness uh, and in some capacity. And the details of that maybe aren't super important, but I'm, I'm a huge lover of, of all wildlife, but of course, dogs specifically. I have two at home who I love very much, but I've always dreamed of, of having of having a, a pretty unreasonable number of them. But as I dug into it a little bit more, I think this idea beyond my, my fascination with, with animal behavior and and just wildlife and being outdoors in general is also this sort of inclination towards a a group experience. Uh, what, what it would be like to truly be a part of a, a pack, the camaraderie, the collaboration, the kind of unspoken sense of, of loyalty that the dogs clearly have in the way that they operate in groups is not entirely unique to them as a species by any means. There's lots of pack animals and in some ways humans and our social structures are, are quite similar, but I think we like to pretend that there's there's more of a difference there for sure. But 
they seem to just be this very pure, I don't even know if I'd really, I don't think pure is probably the best word, but this very fluid and, and genuine example of what social dynamics are and can be. And I think to to be a part of that or even to to lead that would would be a, a truly unique experience. And maybe not utterly unique, to be honest, but as someone who grew up playing group sports, maybe it's something I I lean towards because of that. But yeah, beyond that, I think even just the idea of all different colors and, and sizes and tones of voice and vocalizations and, and breeds and, and just to be able to, again, set out into into the middle of nowhere, into unknown lands with with a pack behind me or in front of me or with me would be would be truly incredible and something I, I often find myself slipping off into as a as a sort of utopian ideal that maybe one day I'll get to experience just for fun. Almost similar to when you see people like, you know, walking fifteen dogs on, on rollerblades or maybe a, a souped up version of that would be something that for me would would be the the real essence of of a flow like state or an intrinsically motivated state to to bring it all full circle that it just would allow me to be fully immersed in a moment and in a group experience maybe something similar to what people feel like they get in in concerts or um or any number of of collective experiences that we seem to be weirdly drawn towards but as, as someone who in some ways enjoys traditional solitude but also the outdoors and, and animals as well I think it, it doesn't doesn't get a whole lot better than that so I think I'll table it for today I have gotten some really great questions which I of course appreciate and will certainly get around to in future episodes I hope the questions continue to come in because I've it's certainly been interesting to to dig into what the audience would like to hear more of from me and to try to access a little bit more of that in, in future conversations with other guests and, and even solo episodes. So thank you so much for the questions. Please continue to send them. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter or even email me at impostorsanonymous at gmail.com. If there's anything at all you'd like to hear me speak about, any topics you'd like to hear explored on the show. Once again, the audience here isn't isn't huge, so if you put something forward, it's it's probably going to get talked about in time. So it could be a novel opportunity to get involved with something that if you're still listening, you, you seem to care about and enjoy. So again, thank you all for your time. As always, I really do appreciate all of you, and I will see you next time. So if you've made it this far, hopefully it's because this project has resonated with you in some way and added value to your life. And if so, it would be great if you could take that next step to do any of the things that people are always asking you to do. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, give us a follow on social. I know it can feel like a chore, I get it, but it is all rather simple and easy, (laughs) a lot easier than listening to this whole episode. So any support really does mean a lot to me and goes a long way towards helping this show and its message grow. 
the simple fact that you're still listening at this point already makes this whole thing worth it for me. Anything else is just gravy. Remember, again, please do send your questions and topics to at impostorsanon on Instagram and Twitter. I welcome them all and would love to hear from you. And oh, if you could be interested in coming on this very show, shoot us a message. Seriously, there are no requirements. I'm always looking for new guests with unique perspectives. I don't care about how many followers you have or where you went to school, and I certainly don't want to read your resume. I just like having interesting, candid conversations. So why not? You're all already a part of this project in my eyes, but I'll give it a rest for today. Thanks again. Your perspective is valuable, and I'll see you next time.